going to continue. The last two weeks, we have been talking about the fact that we have been entrusted with weapons, right? Have you been conscientious of the weapons you've been entrusted with this week, girls? Good job. All right. <laughs> okay, and we have talked the last two weeks about the two of the weapons we've been given, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The last week we talked about the weapon of prayer that we have, how powerful prayer is in our lives and in finding victory over the enemy. And this week we're going to talk about one more weapon, and it's the weapon of worship and praise. All right? The Bible is full of examples where praise and worship were used to drive out the enemy. How many want to drive out the enemy from your lives? Yes? Great. A few of you do. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> you know, the word worship, it literally means to bow prostrate in reverence to God. But the word praise, it's derived from numerous words in the original writing, and it has many different meanings. Everything from sing to jump, shout, dance, clap, use musical instruments, adore, make noise, be loud, battle cry, rejoice, to leap, to lift hands, to declare, to speak forth, to bring thanksgiving. And that's just to name a few. There's plenty more as well. Praise is always an outward demonstration. It's an action word. And we're going to see examples in the word where praise, where worship brought victory in battles. Praise is a powerful weapon in battles of life. And I want us to start this morning just by looking at a couple of actual battles in the word. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible, you're probably familiar with the battle or actually the, the army that Joshua led, in, taking them to march around the city of Jericho. They marched around the city of Jericho six days, and on the seventh day, simply with a shout of praise, the walls of that city came tumbling down. There were no tools used, no physical weapons. Just with the shout of praise, they saw victory. Think about Gideon with me, if you're familiar with Gideon. Gideon, the Bible says, worshipped God. He needed a word from God. He sought God. He worshipped. He heard the word from God, and then he led his army to battle. And when the army shouted the promise that they had received from the Lord, the army of the Midianites turned their swords against each other, and fled. There was victory in battle without ever raising a physical sword on Gideon's part in that battle. And praise is what brought the victory. And we're going to see in these examples, praise is powerful. Praise brings victory. But it's not usually just praise alone. There are always examples. In these examples, we'll see how all of the weapons work together. They Get the word of the Lord first, the sword of the Spirit, and then the seeking God, praying, and then lifting voices in praise and in worship to God. They all work together. 
And I want us to look a little bit more closely at another battle in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 this morning. And we're going to see here a story about Jehoshaphat. And in 2 Chronicles 20, we read the story. It tells us that there was a great multitude coming against Jehoshaphat in battle. The Moabites, the Amorites, the Mennonites. And it says that Jehoshaphat, when he got word that there was all these armies coming against him, it says that he was afraid. I love that it says that because you know what? He's human, just like us. And sometimes when battles of life hit us, our flesh, our human nature, first reaction is a bit of fear. <gasps> oh no! Ah! What am I going to do? Right? But Jehoshaphat did not let fear stop him. He was determined to get a word from the Lord, to seek God for wisdom. And so it says that he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah, and all Judah gathered together to ask for help from the Lord. I love that because Jehoshaphat recognized that he was completely dependent on God, that he didn't have the answers in and of himself. Sometimes we need to stop and remind ourselves, hey, I don't have to be independent in this. God didn't create me to run full speed ahead in my own strength. I'm dependent on God and I need to get his wisdom. So they all were seeking God and they were asking for his direction. Jehoshaphat didn't rely on past battle plans. He needed fresh direction from God, and he didn't let fear paralyze him and hold him back. He was diligently seeking God. And then Jehoshaphat begins to pray. And you know what? I love his prayer because his prayer is completely filled with praise. Look with me at verse 5 there in 2 Chronicles 20. It says, Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord, and he prayed. Listen to his prayer. His prayer wasn't, oh, God, help us. I don't know what to do. Oh, my gosh, they're after us. I'm so afraid. What am I going to do? That was not his prayer. Listen to his prayer. It says in verse 6, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. He's declaring God's greatness. And then in verse 7 he says, Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamity, such as war, plague, or famine, we can come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us and rescue us. He's reminding God of what he's done, of what God is able to do, of his greatness. He's shouting out praise in his prayer. And so they're seeking God together, and then... 
The word of the Lord comes to them through a prophet. Remember, they didn't have this written word that we have. We can seek God. We can run to his word. They were seeking God in the way they had in that day. And they received the word of the Lord from a prophet. And the message to them came and basically said, don't be afraid. Jehoshaphat, don't be afraid of the great number coming against you. The battle is not yours, but God's. And then the prophet continued and said, tomorrow you go out, but you will not need to fight this battle. Just go, set yourself in position, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, for the Lord is with you. So he received that word from God. He received God's direction. And then he didn't just quiver and say, oh, I don't know, God, was that really you? Was that really what you're saying for this situation? I don't know. Was there more to it that I didn't hear? He didn't overanalyze and examine and question God like we very often tend to. Right, girls? <laughs> he just heard the word of the Lord. And as soon as he received that word, then verse 18, what did he do? And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. They received the Lord. He starts out with praise. He, pr he, pra he praises and then he prays. They receive the word of the Lord. Then he worships. Verse 19, then the Levites and the children of the Kohothites and the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with voices loud and high. They worship, they praise, they're letting their voices raise with praise in this situation before they ever even go into battle. Now, the next morning, Jehoshaphat, he gave assignments to his troops, and he appointed those who would sing. He appointed those who would declare praise. Not the typical assignments you would expect to be given out in a war situation, right? But verse 22 says, Now, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, of Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. They saw victory in battle without ever even raising a physical sword by using their spiritual weapons. The word of God, prayer, worship, and praise. The opposing armies all killed each other. <laughs> and all the enemy armies were wiped out. And then Jehoshaphat's army stood looking on. Every single one of them was wiped out. They hadn't done a thing but praise God. And then they went in to gather the spoil. And there was so much. There were so many valuables and jewelry and all kinds of things. It took them three days to collect it all. Wow. A situation that at his first reaction was fear Oh no, all these armies are coming against me. Are, am I going to die? Is my whole army going to die? You know the thoughts that come. But God turned it and brought abundance.
because they were willing to use their spiritual weapons. They were willing to seek God for his word, to pray, and to offer up praise to him. Praise is powerful in the battles of life that we face. And then it says that they headed back to Jerusalem and they entered with singing and instruments, giving praise. This battle was filled with worship, with praise from beginning to middle to end, all the way through. And although there were physical people involved, Jehoshaphat did not use any physical weapons, only spiritual weapons. I want to read to you a little excerpt from this book. It's a Joyce Meyer's book. It's called The Battle Belongs to the Lord, Overcoming Life Struggles Through Worship. It's an awesome book, and she talks about this very battle of Jehoshaphat. And I like the way she says this. She says, are the ites after you? The Moabites, the Ammonites, the Mennonites were after King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah. In other places in the Old Testament, it was the Jebusites, the Hittites, the Canaanites who were the troublemakers for God's people. But with us, it's the fearites, the diseaseites, the povertyites, the bad marriageites, the stressites, the grouchy neighborites, the insecurityites, the rejectionites, and on and on and on. How many ites are chasing you around? However many there are, learn from King Jehoshaphat. Learn what he did to turn his attention to God instead of focusing on all the ites that are trying to rise and rule you. We can learn some great lessons from King Jehoshaphat. I was going to tell you later, but I'll tell you now. Does anyone here like, like presents? Yes? All right. Well, I'll just give you a little teaser that at the end today we have a little present for all of you. One of these books for every one of you. But at the end, because you're girls, and I know you'd start reading it right away. <laughs> Jehoshaphat. He was determined to seek out the word of the Lord. He gathered others around him to fast, to pray, to seek the word of the Lord with him. He prayed. He covered the entire thing with worship, with praise. Do you have people that are opposing you? Do you have some ites in your life? Do you have people bringing threats against you? Are you facing situations that have made you a little fearful? Are you feeling a little overwhelmed? Don't get paralyzed. Don't let fear paralyze you. Don't give up. Don't cave in. Use the spiritual weapons that God's given us, just like Jehoshaphat did. And God can turn anything around. God turned that battle around and brought abundance into their lives as a result. God can do anything. Nothing is too big for him. But we can't give up. We can't let fear stop us. We have to go forward with God like Jehoshaphat did. Amen? Amen. 
All right, I want us to see another example in the Word where praise brought victory in a situation of persecution, a battle of persecution, if you will, in Daniel chapter 3. We see the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Familiar story to some. But King Nebuchadnezzar, he had made this gold image, and he set forth a command that all people of all languages in all nations under his rule would bow down and worship this gold image every time the music played. And anyone who didn't would be thrown into a fiery furnace. Now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they knew that there was one true holy living God. And they were not about to bow down to a false god. And so they just did not comply. They weren't belligerent about it. They didn't make a scene. They didn't make a big deal about it. But they just said, no, I'm, we're not going to bow down and worship a false god. Well, somebody noticed that they weren't complying with the king's command. And they went and told the king. And so the king approached the three men. And he said, okay, look, maybe you're not quite getting it here. This is the command that has gone forth. We'll do this one more time. When the music plays, you bow down and you worship this gold image that I have set forth. And they replied and said, no, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. They proclaimed God openly. Did you know that one of the words for praise literally means to profess, declare, and acknowledge God openly? They were giving praise to God right there in the midst of that persecution. They were standing up for God. Did you ever stop to realize the persecution that's going on around us in our world today? A world that is anti-everything that Christians stand for, anti-God, and wanting us to compromise and give in to the world's standards, the world's systems, the world's ways. We need to be women that are willing to take a stand for God, to give him praise, to declare our God openly. Now, when Nebuchadnezzar heard this, that they were not going to bow down, he was furious. And he said, crank up the heat on that furnace. And he told them to crank it up seven times hotter than usual. And the men that, that took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to the furnace, they, they blindfolded them, they bound them up in all their clothes so that they would ignite and, and create this uh, fire, which wouldn't take much. They're being thrown into the furnace. But they took them and they threw them in. And even the two men that took them were instantly killed because the heat was so severe. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, apparently you could see into the furnace, he's watching and he says, what? What? What is going on? There are four people walking through the flames, un, unharmed. What is going on? And he, then he said with his mouth, and one appears to be the Son of God. He said, bring them out. Bring them out of the furnace. And the king declared 
that there is no other God than one who could deliver like this. You see, others are being affected by how we live our life. Others will be affected by whether we choose to compromise or not. And you know what? The one who is persecuting us the most, the one who may seem to be the biggest enemy of ours, they're usually the one who will be affected the most. We may think we just want to turn our back on that one. We want to ridicule that one. We want to lash out at that one. We need to be women that choose the spirit over the flesh and choose to declare our God, choose to lift praise to him because they are watching. Others are watching our lives. Others will be impacted by how we live our lives. King Nebuchadnezzar was so impacted by their life, a man of such incredible influence. So can't you imagine if his life was impacted like that, the influence he would then have on all the nations under his rule? We've got to recognize people are watching. Our life is influencing others, but then their lives influence others, and on and on and on it goes. In the midst of persecution, if we just hold our ground and give praise to our God, declaring who he is, we will see victory and others will be impacted as well. Another example where there was extreme opposition and victory was found. Has anyone ever faced extreme opposition or challenge or difficulty in life? Yes. <laughs> We all have. Have you ever not known what to do or been unsure how to handle situations like that? I remember in the most difficult time of my life, not knowing exactly what to do, being so overwhelmed. And I needed direction from God. I needed wisdom from God. But in that place, my flesh just did not even want to open my Bible. My flesh was hurting was, was crying out, and it was an effort to even open my Bible. Maybe some of you have been there, but see, that's where we have to choose, the spirit over the flesh. And so I would push myself and make myself just open to Psalms, and I loved reading the Psalms because David, he went through so much in life, and he would pour out all of these emotions, and I'd read, and I'd think, oh, I can so relate. Oh, that's how I'm feeling at this moment. You see, David, he was anointed to be the next king, but it was 22 years between the time he was anointed to be the next king and the time he became the king of Israel. 22 years. And during that time, some great things happened. However, during that time, he also experienced some very, very extreme and truly horrific opposition. He was criticized. He was rejected. He was devalued. He was hated. He was literally hunted. There were murder attempts on his life. He was forced to hide in the wilderness with absolutely nothing. How did he respond? The Psalms tell us that over and over and over again, in the midst of horrific challenge, he responded with praise. 
Let's look at some of the Psalms. There's so many, we couldn't begin to look at them all today. But I just want to quickly just look at a few verses from Psalms. Psalm 7, verse 1. O Lord my God, in you I put my trust. Save me from all those who persecute me and deliver me. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. In the midst of circumstances, in the midst of enemies chasing him, he chooses to praise God. Psalm 18.3, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. He had the confidence that God would intervene. Psalm 27.6, and now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. How many times do we feel like there's enemies surrounding us, there's opposition and challenge surrounding us, and we're not looking up above all of that. We're sinking down below. He knew how to lift up his head above the opposition and make a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of joy in the midst of it. Psalm 42, 5. Why are you cast down, all my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. I love this verse. And then he repeats this exact verse two more times in the coming chapters. And you know, if we were there with David when he said this, why are you so cast down, all my soul? We probably would have said, Oh, you have every reason to be. Look at what's going on around you. We totally understand that's such a normal response. La, 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 comfort. Oh, let's make you feel better. David wasn't looking for sympathy. David was talking to his soul. He was taking authority over his soul, over his mind, his will, his emotions. Why are you cast down within me? Like, knock it off. And then he tells his soul, hope in God, hope in God, hope in God. Sometimes we need to do that. I'll tell you what, I give myself pep talks all the time. And if I start to feel discouraged, if I start to feel down, I give myself a good little kick in the rear and say, hope in God, lift your eyes above the circumstances. We need to talk to ourselves like David did. And then he says in Psalm 56, 4, In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Sometimes we need to tell ourselves that I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? When that fear starts to come, grab it. Take that thought captive. I will not fear. Talk to ourselves. Take authority over fear. Take authority over thoughts and emotions in our life. Psalm 145, 2, he says, every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Psalm 146, 2, while I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Every day, every day, as long as I'm alive, as long as I can breathe, I will be committed to praising the Lord. That's what he's saying. Wow. That was so encouraging to me in that difficult time of my life to start reading the Psalms. And I would start reading and I would think, oh, I can so relate these emotions that he's pouring out. But then I would continue reading and read these verses that over and over, no matter what the emotions were raging around him, he would stop and give praise to God. And before I knew it, as I was reading through the Psalms, I would be giving praise. 
praise to God in the midst of my circumstance. If David could praise God in the midst of what he was going through, so could I and so can you. It's so powerful. Praise helps us keep a right perspective, a right heart. The Bible says that David had a heart after God. And eventually he did become king. And God did amazing things through his life. And he impacted countless others. But you know what? Thousands of years later, he is still impacting lives today. Mine being one of them because he chose to praise God. Ladies, others are being impacted by how we live our lives. How we walk through the challenges and the trials of life. I remember one time... I was in a really difficult work situation, and there was just crazy things going on at this job where I worked. I was in my 20s. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to handle it, and it was, it was very extreme. And so about every hour, I would go and lock myself in the bathroom. And in the bathroom, I would shout praise to God. I would lift my hands. But you know, you're in a, a place, so you can't actually shout loudly. But those of you who are moms in this place, I know that you know how to shout in a whisper. It's that, get over here now. <laughs> you all know how to do that, right? <laughs> That's the voice I use, but in a, in a positive way with God. So I would close myself in the bathroom and lift my hands to heaven and whispering shout, Father, I love you. I praise you. I thank you that you're with me, that you're for me, that you're on my side, but all in a whisper. And just shout out and let praises flood out of my heart until I had a right perspective and I could go back into the office. And literally there was a season there where I was doing that every hour, but it's what got me through. Praise brings victory in situations and praise when in, by enabling us to keep a right heart, a right perspective, a right attitude, it can turn things around. But when we choose the way of our flesh, we just want to jump in and tell everyone what we think and tell them how to do it and just fix it ourselves and make it right. And we end up making a mess out of things. <laughs> but praise is powerful. Praise has the power to turn everything around. So what's the challenge that you might be facing today. Maybe it's a work situation. Maybe it's a home situation or a family relationship situation. Just remember, praise is powerful. It will do something on the inside of you. It will help change your perspective. It will help give you a new attitude. And I know we can sit here and say, yeah, but I don't want to change my perspective. I just want them to change. <laughs> I know how you think, because we're all human. <laughs> but girls, do we want God's best for our lives? Do we want him to do all that he wants to do in and through us? We've got to be willing to let him do it and just get alone with him. Zip it up with others and go before him and shout praise to him. It will work miracles. There's other examples in the word of where people were in need of healing.
crying in need of deliverance and saw victory because of worship. Look with me, or actually I'm just going to refer to this so you don't need to look there for sake of time. But in Matthew chapter 9, we see Matthew's account of the story of Jairus. And it says that Jairus worshipped Jesus. And then he said, my daughter has just died, but come and lay your hands on her and she will live. Now his daughter was healed. His daughter lived. But Jairus worshipped before he saw the miracle. Jairus worshipped before his daughter was healed. Jairus worshipped before he asked Jesus, before he brought his request to Jesus. It says he worshipped Jesus. Worship. It's powerful. In Matthew chapter 8, a leper came and worshipped Jesus and asked to be made clean, and he was. He worshipped before he was made clean. He worshipped before he asked. What are you in need of today? Worship God first and foremost for who he is, for his greatness, that he's able to do anything. Worship him. And then come with your request and just watch what he will do. In Mark chapter 5, a demon-possessed man, it says that he ran and worshipped Jesus. And he was delivered. Maybe you find yourself today facing a health battle. Or maybe you find yourself dealing with a situation that has held you in bondage, where you need deliverance from. Can I just encourage you girls? Worship God now. Worship him before you see the miracle. Worship him before you even bring the request to God. Just worship God for who he is. The other day I was talking to a friend of mine and she was telling me about a situation in her life that happened many years ago where she got a bad doctor's report and the doctor actually told her that she had cancer. And she said it was just so paralyzing at that moment, the fear that came over her. And she came to God's word. She knew she needed a word from the Lord. And she said for her, it was that verse in uh, Mark's account of the story of Jairus, where Jesus said to Jairus, do not be afraid, only believe. And she said she came back to that verse over and over. And every time that thought of fear would come, she would run to that verse just within her own heart, she would quote it, and she would say, okay, God, if I'm afraid right now, then I'm not believing, and I want to believe. I don't want to be afraid. I want to believe. And she would start meditating on that verse over and over, and every time the thought of fear came, she'd go back to that verse and bring it to God. That's how we take our thoughts captive into the obedience of Christ, into what God's Word says. She did that over and over. She prayed. She worshiped. And do you know, she said that that process of being free from the thoughts of fear completely, she said it took her about two years to completely be free from any thoughts of fear. You see, the enemy will try to keep them coming over and over and over again. So it's, this is not just a, 
Well, I tried one day, but they came back the next. Yeah, they will, because he's the enemy and he's the, the uh, father of lies. That's what the Bible says. So we've got to be women that have that tenacity, that have that determination to come back to the word over and over and over again and say, no, I'm not listening to the fear. No, I'm not listening to the fear. And then he'll try to bring a different thought of fear and a different thought of fear. That's how he works. That's what he does. We just need to know that and just put him in his place and come back to the word over and over and over again. And after about two years, she said, I knew that I was healed. I didn't have the slightest thought of fear. She said, I went back to the doctor and I had a perfect clean bill of health and has had to this day, which is almost 20 years ago now. We've been given powerful weapons, girls but we've got to use them. We can't just wander through life aimlessly. We've got to be willing to use the weapons he has given us. One last thing, really quickly. In Acts 16, in verse 14, we see an example where worship brought greater understanding of God. You know, the enemy loves to keep us dull and keep us from getting more understanding of God. But here in Acts 16, we see this woman named Lydia. And in verse 14, it says, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira and worshipped God. I don't know how to say the city she was from, but she worshipped God. <laughs> the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So here's Paul, and he's teaching the word. She worshiped God, and her heart opened. That word opened in the original writing, it literally means to bring greater understanding of God and greater desire for him. Girls, worship, praise. It will open our hearts for more of God. Anybody want more of God in this place today? We need to become women who are committed to a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of praise. Not just having praise music as background music, but letting it flood out of our hearts too. Expressing to God our adoration, declaring his greatness over every situation in our lives. Worship, praise, they're powerful weapons against the enemy. And girls, when we understand how powerful all these weapons that we've been given are, it transforms our lives. The word, prayer, worship, praise. When these things are a regular, active, alive part of our everyday lives, it transforms us on the inside. That's what we've been talking about in this series, being that woman that's transformed, living life where the inside dictates how we respond to everything on the outside rather than letting the outside dictate what goes on on the inside. When we put our weapons to work, when we realize the power in them, it transforms us. We can't help but use them when we recognize how incredibly powerful they are to bring victory in every situation, to drive out the enemy in every situation. God's entrusted us with them. 
He's entrusted you with his weapon. And he says, okay, daughter, there you go. Use them well. Use them well. Use them every day. Use them in every situation. Don't you dare let the enemy steamroller you. He's prepared us. He's equipped us for what we need in the, life, the battles of everyday life. Girls, let's be women who use our weapons well. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want to just pray for you this morning. Father, God, I just pray that every single one of us will have a greater tenacity to be the warrior that you've created us to be against the enemy, recognizing who our true enemy is. Not a warrior against people, against flesh and blood, but using the spiritual weapons that you've entrusted to us to drive the enemy out of our lives, to drive the thoughts of our flesh and fleshly sinful nature out of our lives, that we can choose to live according to your spirit in a life that will bring glory and honor to you, a life that will influence others for you, a life that will make you known and draw others to you, God. That's the desire of our hearts. And Father, I just pray that in this place today, each one of us will just make that commitment afresh to be that woman who will use her weapons well every day. Not just leaving them on the side saying, oh, someday I'll get to them. Someday when I have more time. But God, that we will recognize you've entrusted us with these weapons and we will make them a part of our everyday lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.